and welcome to Women in the Business Arena, formerly known as the Liberation Lab. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, success strategist for women in business, and I'll soon be joined by my dear friend and co-host, Laura Guzman, an amazing psychotherapist who works with women entrepreneurs. Together, we dive into juicy topics relevant to women in business. We've learned through decades of being entrepreneurs how to conquer the business arena and achieve not just success, but fulfillment and liberation. We also believe that this is a continual journey of ups and downs, so we get honest, vulnerable, and real about what it takes to succeed. Think of this as joining our inner circle of women discussing the issues that matter and the strategies that will help you enjoy the ride. If you want to continue the discussion, join our Facebook group, Women in the Business Arena. We would love to hear from you. Okay, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I'm here with my gorgeous and beautiful co-host, Laura Schutt-Guzman. Hey, Laura. Hello, hello. I'm ready for us to dive in our conversations today. I so look forward to this every week, our time together, our time with our listeners. I know, me too. And today we're going to talk about a good one because, you know, we, a few weeks ago, we really talked about sort of money, women in business, which I think is just an amazing topic. And I think we can have so many more conversations around that. But one of the things I get a lot of questions about with my clients or in my public Facebook group or, you know, with what I have going on is, you know, how do we handle money objections? So, you know, all of us, if we're running a business are in sales and we're all trying to improve our ability to produce sales in our business at least I hope you are. (laughs) And, you know, what do we do when we sort of get the objections of like, that's too expensive. I don't have the money to invest in that. Money objections are very rampant. And I think a lot of women shy away and get scared of, you know, how to handle that or how to deal with it. Or, you know, do they go in and ask more questions? Do they just let it go and be like, yeah, of course, of course you don't have the money. That's okay. And so that's what we want to talk about today. What do you think, Laura? Hmm. Yeah, this is a really good one. And one I don't hear talked about um, very often, at least, you know, as I'm kind of trying to get support for my own business, I, I don't think I've heard a lot on this. So I'm intrigued personally because I do think that the money conversation, um, well, just like the one that we just had was usually, you know, it's usually around how well we're receiving and handling money and energy is um the energy of money. And in this case, it's really thinking about other people's beliefs and reactions around money and how do we either feed into that and become Mm. a part of that story or is it okay for us to step in and, um, you know, sort of open the door to a different way of looking at that. Um, So I think it's really interesting. And money for sure is something that stops people in their tracks for, you know, somebody, as soon as somebody says, I don't have the money, then we're like, "Uh uh-oh, I guess I'm done with this conversation because I don't want to push and I don't want to seem salesy. And yeah, so I think there's a lot here. Yeah. And I think it is, you know, part of what, there's no black and white. And I think we're going to be sort of tackling that as we're talking today because, you know, it is a little bit of an art. I don't always give every single person I'm working with the same advice because sometimes it's circumstantial. Sometimes it's based on who that person is. So there, but there is a line, I think, for each of us, like between, you know, there is a lot of aggression out there. So if you, you know, look at people who are really into sort of that manipulative sales, they're like, yeah, push, you get the sale on the first call. And like, you know, if they've got an objection, just like go right through it, you know, like see how you have that viewpoint. (laughs) 
which is not my yeah. viewpoint. And and then you have the other opposite side, which is a lot of people just backing away. Oh, okay, yeah, you don't have money. Yeah, I understand. Like, yeah, that's okay. And, you know, not actually going in to help people and serve them better when you can. So I think there is this line that we have to kind of talk about, you know, when is it too pushy? And when is it not pushy enough? Because we're here to serve someone. And if your intentions are really pure, like your intentions are not there, like I just have to make a sale at any cost, but your intention is I really want to serve this person and I know I can help them, then sometimes it, it is better for them to go a little bit through those objections to see, you know, how might I be able to help them? Is it really a money objection or do they not see the value? Or is it that they have other questions and they don't know how to ask or they're not even sure what the questions are and I can, you know, navigate that more effectively with them. Yeah. I do think that when a lot of, I don't know, I, I think for myself, when I have said no and used money as an objection, um, I'm usually either being really honest that I've met my budget for that particular time period and, you know, hey, but they might be able to talk to me about like, well, when do you feel like it may be a good time in the future? Um, but a lot of times is because I still don't understand what they're offering me. I don't understand the value. Yes. And I think that's happened in my co-working space when I've tried to sell co-working memberships or space that people haven't understood the value. Well, why would I pay for this concierge type service? Um, I'm just starting out. Like, why do I need to pay for this extra thing? I'm just going to sit in my home office and hope the clients come in, you know? And so there's different ways to communicate what the value is. Because I do think money objection is often, they don't understand that what you're offering is actually helping or how it's going to help them. Yes. And this actually is one of the biggest things that I see is that generally, and we'll talk about some other ones, but I think money objections probably 80% of the time are really about not recognizing the value of what you're offering. Somehow, you know, we haven't tied it in to what they want to need. Now, to qualify this, I am assuming that when you're talking to someone, you know they're a good fit. Because one of the things I teach my clients is if someone is not a good fit for you, like they're not an ideal client, you're turning them away anyway. You're not even trying to sell them. You're not even offering them what you have to, to you know, for them to buy. You're not telling them about your services. You know, and I think that is sort of a first preemptive thing that we have to talk about. Because a lot of people are kind of like, well, it could be a bad fit, but I'm going to tell them anyway, and then maybe they'll buy it. And and that gets into a lot of messy territory. It's not authentic. It's not an integrity. And so as far as I'm concerned, the first thing is you absolutely know that this person is a good fit. You know you can help them. You know that you're at the place that you can help them, and they're at the place in their you know business or life or whatever you're helping them with to really take the best value from you. So I think when you've got that going on, then we have to navigate the money objection. If it's that they're a bad fit, you shouldn't even touch the money objection. You shouldn't even tell them about your services. Yeah. Just let them self-select themselves out. It's just like, okay, you're not a good fit. You've already identified that and I've identified that. Um, Agreed. I think that's an important distinction. So you know, when you know you're with someone who is a great fit for your service or your product, your business in, in whatever capacity, then you've, you're feeling really passionate about wanting to help them because 
you really believe it. You're not just like, God, I hope this person will take this and buy it from me because I got to pay the bills this month. You're just like, I want to work with you because I have seen it work with people like you. I know I have something to offer. I see you struggling and I see your pain points and I want to give you an option that I really think is out there that's going to work and I have the ability to provide it. And that, you can feel that too. And I don't actually, um, because I'm going to keep switching back and thinking of myself as consumer and then as the business person. As a consumer, when I feel that, when somebody is really confident in what they're doing, I don't mind when they press a little bit past that money objection because it doesn't feel salesy. It feels passionate that they really just want to make sure that I understand what is being offered before I walk away from that, you know, opportunity. Yeah. And and look, the truth is you are navigating people's money beliefs and those are really strong, right? You know, we all have money patterns, money beliefs, and we've talked about this in several episodes so, you know, there's a lot of sensitivity around money and a lot of triggers around money. So, you know, it is inevitable that to some degree you might press something, go a little farther, even with your best intentions and trigger someone. And you know what? That's not yours. And so I think this is another thing we have to really look at is that that's not your stuff. That's their stuff. And so it's inevitable, but you did what was best, you know, in your mind to do. And this is where we have to trust ourselves. When we feel that the best service that we can give someone is to press a little bit further than we need to, like that's our integrity and that's who we are and that's our power. And if they get triggered or they react, well, that's just, that's on them, not on us. And I think we're so afraid for people to get triggered. We're so afraid for conflict. But the truth is, is that I mean, I trigger people all the time because I'm in service to them and sometimes people need to be triggered. And so as a, as a coach, as a, you know, therapist, as like, you know, I don't know what your viewpoint is, Laura, but I, in mine, to some degree, we're going to trigger people. You can do it kindly. You can do it with the best intention and we, you know, and you need to know what you're doing to some degree. Like you need to be somewhat trained or have some experience in these areas. But I think we've got to stop being afraid that we're going to provoke some kind of conflict because sometimes that's exactly what needs to happen for the most growth and transformation. Yes. Actually, in my therapeutic approach, I explain that to clients that if there's something that happens within this relationship in which my behavior triggers you or something comes up within this space, this is a safe therapeutic space for that to happen. Um, and I'm going to give opportunity to have it repaired if you're wanting to utilize this space. So I think that with coaches and therapists, it's really important that we sometimes push at something a little bit if we're creating a safe container in order to resolve it. And I think that um, what you hit on is conflict is something that we're very, as women especially, we're afraid of conflict because mm -hmm. we want people to still like us. We want yes. to be coming across as um, just like somehow pleasing in their, in their eye. We don't want to offend anyone. But like you said, people can tell when you're coming from uh, like a, a place of integrity and just trust that you're staying in your truth. You're expressing what you see. You see a value. You want to name that value, see how it can help them. And then if it does go into a com conflict, they seem to react um, very strongly. Then you know, okay, if it seems out of context, like, wow, this came out of nowhere, that's usually a trigger. That means mm -hmm. that it was something that was like their internal stuff. And then you just take a deep breath and you just say, I hear you. Okay. Like, 
I hear you and it sounds like it's not a good time. And if you want to talk to me about this later and you just really treat it with respect, like trust your capacity to sit with the discomfort of that. Mm. But then you just name what's happening. Like I see that I've upset you or see that you're feeling uncomfortable right now and that's completely okay. And I just... I'm going to go ahead and let, you know, let this conversation lie. And if you want to pick it back up with me, then I'd be happy to. But there's a different way that you, that conflict plays out when someone just opens up space for the conflict to be okay. Yeah. That feels very different than when both people get like reactive. That person's <laughs> freaking out and then you're freaking out that you just freaked them out. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like this really uncomfortable thing and you'll never make eye contact with that person again at the next, you know, whatever networking <laughs> event. <laughs> oh my gosh. So true. And I think, you know, I guess, you know, when we're talking about this topic, money objections, there's actually several things I think we need to go through because, you know, this is a, this is very much skill building. Um, you know, a lot of things I talk about with regards to sales or handling money objections, it's definitely skill building. You're going to practice, you're going to try things. Some things are going to work. Some things aren't going to work. Some things are going to resonate with you. Some things aren't going to resonate with you. So, you know, it is very much skill building. It's a very important skill to, to learn and to handle. But I think, you know, it is skill building. But the first thing I think, which is sort of what we're starting to approach and talk about is we do have to talk about, you know, the internal self. Like, I think we have to be neutral with conflict and money before we go pressing in for money objections. Because if we've got a lot of issues with money, then that's going to be playing out in that relationship and the response of the person that we're talking to. So, and this is kind of what we talked about with the, you know, the two episodes on money, women, and business. We talked about some of those internal beliefs beliefs around money, some of where we're coming from. So I think, yeah, we've got to get more neutral with money personally, and we've got to really know our value and we have to have the right intention so that we're trying to, to support someone and help them. We're not trying to get money. Um, money is a byproduct of that. And money is really important. We do want to absolutely have sales, but the attachment to a particular person converting is where some of the ill intention lies, right? Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So I think we need to be able to, you know, know that our intentions are good. We, we, we are going for sales. We do have money goals. We're neutral about money. And yet we feel like we really can help this person. And then that's when we have to start to look at sort of the sales process and money objections. But first we need to make sure that we're really okay and aligned with, you know, being true to ourselves and being in integrity and really supporting someone when they need it. And, you know, not worried anymore about, oh my gosh, is this person going to like me. And I think that that's what a lot of women hit around this topic is, oh, they'll think I'm salesy. They'll think I'm, you know, they'll think I'm aggressive. They'll think I just want them, you know, for the money, um, you know, and so we worry about that. And the funny thing is, is if we're worried about that, then our intention probably isn't very bad, right? Because <laughs> we're even thinking about it. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And it's going to, you know, that one or like one person is going to possibly think that that's okay. You know, it's like it does happen where people misunderstand um, our intentions. But when we know what our intentions are, then it makes it easier to stand in that. I'm glad we're having this conversation now after the first two money episodes where we mm -hmm. really spoke a lot about the internal work because yeah. 
you're so spot on. We can't, we cannot really move through anyone else's money objections or their relationship to their value or the value of what you're offering if we don't understand where we stand. And I definitely find myself reflecting back to the early years of my business thinking, oh, wow, I can't believe I used to do that. I totally just would come down on my pricing when I got resistance, you know, and I can think now, why did I do that? Or I should have done that differently. But then I have that compassion and that like bigger expanded view. And I look at that and think, well, but there's no way I really could have done it differently because that's where I was with my own value. That's where I was with what I felt comfortable with around money. And because I've done the work that I've done now, I can see how I would have handled that differently. But at the time, that was just where I was, you know? So like having compassion for ourselves too, if you're listening to this thinking, oh, there's so many times I've just completely um, not stood my ground and I've been avoiding things out of conflict. Well, the more you feel strong in your intentions and your integrity and you feel more comfortable with your value, then dancing around and through and and kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like navigating these relationships with our clients and their money objections will become much clearer and easier as as we get clear within ourselves. Absolutely. And I think this ju- that sort of rolls into the next thing, which is we have to be clear about our value. And I'm not talking about like, you know, our innate worth. I'm talking about like the value of the service we're providing or the value of the product that we're providing. Like we need to be really clear about how much value we're bringing to people. And hopefully that is what you're doing. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I talk way more. It's like, it's far better to have one program or one product that has high impact than to have a bunch of things that have low impact and you're trying to sell that. Like when, when something that you're doing is really high impact, you know, it's really going to change lives. It's really going to, you know, cause transformation. You know, when you're there, it's really easy to sell it because you know the value it's going to provide. So some of the work that you have to do to be able to handle money objections is you need to be clear about your value and what you're providing. And that's a process I take my clients through, you know, throughout the Women in the Arena program because, you know, they've got a, it's a journey, right? That they've got to look at and be like, what is my value? And oftentimes a lot of people have really like shallow views of their value. They're like, oh, well, I can help someone do this, but they don't realize the impact that has. And so when you start to question that, and this is something that you can do on your own, if you look at, okay, you know, um, you know, is an example, like I help people, you know, niche down and get clear about the target market. And that's a very shallow answer. What does that do for people? Well, it helps them be able to stand out. It helps them be able to um, make a lot more sales and income, feed their family, have more freedom. It's going to help them with balance. I mean, you can go on and on and on to like, wow, that's a lot of value. When you look at something sometimes so small and shallowly, we don't really see the value that provides. So I would say, you know, for anyone, you got to dig deeper to really look at, yeah, but what do these things that we're giving someone actually provide for their life, for their choices, for their family, for their business? And when we can get really clear about that value that we're offering, it's so much easier to handle money objections. Yes. And I don't know if this is a good way to bridge to this conversation, but I just had the thought of, and this is where we get clear about 
investing in ourselves mm. to to continue to maintain the value that we provide our clients. Yeah. And this is something I see is challenging in the wellness industry, a lot of health and wellness, other therapists, you know, when I have these conversations with them about the investment in their own therapy, the investment in their massage every week or their yoga or their self-care or their additional. What's interesting is they will often put value in continuing education and like additional post-nominal letters. (laughs) Like they continue to Uh add certifications and degrees, like that value they get. But when I talk to them about why it's important that they actually take all of that personal um, care as part of the investment in themselves, so they're maintaining their value to their client, then they, they're they often, kind of their eyes go really big and they're like, I've never thought of it like that. I didn't mm-hmm. think about that the way I show up for my client as a therapist, I have to be resourced. So that means I need all of these things in my life to take care of me because I could possibly be keeping this person safe from self-harm. I could be keeping this person out of the grasp, you know, the grasp of depression or anxiety. And if I'm not taking care of me, then how well can I do my job? And so when you start flipping those values on like, do you have money objections to your own own mm. value, like investing in more coaching and, and therapy or um, yoga, you know? Like, <laughs> are you resisting that because for some reason you're not seeing the value. So I don't know. That just I just kind of jumped over that bridge. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. were talking. So, yeah. so there I went. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, yeah, it's true. Like, again, we're still in some ways talking about the internal. And I do want to move to the external here in a minute. But, you know, we are still talking about our need to handle our own money objections. And that is also true with regards to what we invest in. Um, you know, because if we constantly have money objections, if that's a pattern you have where, you know, you're always utilizing money um, as the excuse of why you can't do things or why you can't invest in something. And I'm not saying there isn't some reality around money. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But I also think that if that is like a pattern of excuse for you or a pattern that keeps you, you know, like a lot of people have objections around money, but then they go and they buy things or they spend money on things that are not providing them with an ROI, that are not giving them like a return on energy. You know, it's so it's like I see oftentimes unless you're in poverty or unless you literally like are struggling to pay your bills and that is a legitimate money objection and we can look at that. You know, a lot of times it's about choices. So what are we investing in? We're always investing in something. We're investing in a nice house. We're investing in cars. We're investing in, you know, our child's education. You know, I spend a ton in schools. You know, like what are we investing in? And sometimes it's about choice. And, you know, we don't always look and say, you know, what will these choices produce? You know, and I'm, I like to look at in terms of the most return on effort or the most return on investment. So investing in coaches and investing in, you know, your health, investing in massage, investing in yoga, whatever it is that gives you the most return on energy or the most return on investment. I think those things are very important. And if we don't handle the way we utilize money in the world, like our own objections with the world or how clean or neutral we are with money, well, then it's really hard to handle anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love like, you're just like, we're going to eventually get to that external. But you know, <laughs> I mean, the internal is a place that we like to hang out a lot. We like to talk yes. about that a lot. Um, but yes, yeah, because it is so important. And maybe because, I mean, it's one of the reasons you and I started 
talking on this podcast um, is because the internal is often missed. Mm. Like we're hearing a lot more about the external strategies or understanding your clients or identifying their money objections or, you know, your ideal client. But you really have to start with understanding all these nuances of self because otherwise you end up projecting or things get mirrored back and they're not really yours. So you start struggling with all these maybe sales calls and then you realize that, oh, it's not just all these people I keep talking to. It's there's something in me that is not comfortable with the money objections. And every time it happens, I completely flash back to, I don't know, uh, when I was young and I tried to asked for something I really wanted and I was told that it was too expensive or I didn't deserve that. All right. We, you know, we have our own stuff that we go back to. And if we don't yes. examine it, then it just keeps coming back up and up again. Yes, so, it does. And yeah. I think, you know, and you can hear it. So I try to have a lot of my um, clients tape some of their sales calls if they can, if they can get permission. Because one of the things is like towards the end, I can, like, if I listen to someone's sales call, usually I can determine where they lost the sale. And oftentimes it's at the end, right? Like they're in leadership, they're doing amazing. They're so connected to the person that they're talking to, like there's a great relationship, like there's so much going really well. And then the money piece comes up. And the second they talk about the price or the money, it's like they lose leadership. You can hear their energy go down. You can, you can hear their doubt come in and that's very reflected. That's where they'll lose the sale. And so we don't always realize that when, you know, our money stuff comes through every aspect of our business, but in a sales call, it really comes through. And so a lot of those people won't convert because they they felt there was some doubt that you had about your value. So how can they fully back it if you're not backing it? Mm, I can completely imagine that. Like you hear their voice get a little hesitant, mm. their tone starts to slow down like this and they're about, to, okay, <laughs> so let's talk about, let's talk about the money. You know, yeah. it's like it starts to change. Actually, you should add sales call forensics to your yeah. resume. <laughs> a good one. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's good, actually. And, and you know, that's the other thing is that like one of the, you know, because I teach a sales script that then you can, you know, um, massage and make your own. But I think at the beginning, it's good for everyone to have a structure just so that they kind of understand, you know, what's the data they're trying to pull? Where do they tell people they're not a good fit? you know, if they're not a good fit. And one of the things I do is once I, I tell people, tell people the price and then keep your mouth shut. <laughs> like, Don't say anything else because <laughs> what women will inevitably do is keep talking. They're like, oh yes, uh, the price is blah, blah, blah. And then they nervously talk over it after it. Yes. They're like, oh, yes. and it, it includes all this. And it's, it, and if you need a payment plan, I'll give you a payment plan. And like, you know, and, and they start to talk the price down. <laughs> and some people I've even heard like they're, they're, totally offering discounts our sales <laughs> plan like a dialogue with themselves for it. yeah yeah <laughs> exactly and it's so so you know my principle is like as soon as you tell them the money be quiet like if you have to mute yourself <laughs> mute yourself on the phone call <laughs> because that like, is one of the best pieces of advice <laughs> I've ever heard and really is because that is self-sabotage right there because we just can't help it and you and you get nervous and you yeah. start talking about because you feel their silence and you think uh-oh they're thinking why is she asking that much I mean they yeah. could just be thinking um I really need to you know get off this call because my kid's school is in five minutes and they're just distracted for a moment like give them a second yeah to come back around that call. And actually, there is a woman who teaches negotiation. Um, I've heard her say that whoever speaks first after the 
deal is on the table, that person usually loses. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. like when there's the discussion and then the first person to speak um, is often not going to – you know, like she was, she's thinking about like in negotiating deals where you're like yeah. trying to get that thing. And um, so the less you speak, the better because oh, yeah. it gives them a chance to actually think about what your offer is and come back with something before yeah. you start to <laughs> deflate it. A hundred percent. And the truth is in a sales call, if you do the most talking, you're going to lose the sale. It's inevitable. And if they do the most talking, you're most likely going to win it. And I mean, I think this is the, you know, this is the piece, assuming again, they're a good fit, assuming it's integrity, assuming that you've, you know, asked the right questions. But I think that's the the piece sometimes that we don't recognize is that the more we talk about ourselves, the more we talk about what we can do for them, the more likely we are to lose the sale. And a lot of that's because we're talking nervously and we're trying to really prove our value and we're trying to, you know, do it all. And I think, you know, that's, that's part of that interesting piece is that we have to get comfortable with money. We have to get comfortable with our value. We have to get comfortable with the sales process. Like it really is like physically we need to practice and work with the sales process. And I think so many people, when they come into my program, as an example, they're so scared of sales. They're so scared of the sales process. They hate sales. They just want to hire someone else to do it or they just want to do it online where like, you know, and for, for anything that's offered past a hundred dollars, you know, especially if you're up in the thousands, like a lot of what I'm, you know, crafting with my clients programs, you cannot sell online. <laughs> like the idea yeah. that you could just put like a, you know, a funnel up and everyone's just going to buy into your program to ching ching and you never have to do sales wrong. Get over that. Like you need to yeah. master sales. You need to be amazing at sales. You need to get comfortable with sales. And you can always see, like, if you go into our Facebook group, you know, the women in the business arena, mm-hmm. you can tell who my clients are because when I ask sales questions, they're like, I love sales. Sales is amazing. None of them like sales when they came into the program. <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they just like sales now because they've got a new viewpoint of it. And so I think yes. we have to get comfortable with that. We have to know our value. And those are all, that's the first steps before we can handle other people's money objections. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that it's so nice to, when you get to that point, like the women you're talking about, to just it feels so good to be comfortable with money. Like, mm. why wouldn't we want to? It's in going back to its energy, its energy flowing, it's being abundant and knowing that the more confident you are then the, with, with money, then the more fun is going to be also to be in that space because it's yeah. like, I really believe in this and I'm excited to offer it to you. And one thing I think if you don't already have in your template that you share with people, Sonia, is like adding some um, – body stuff that they can do also before they get on those calls Mm. to really ground themselves. Like there's a woman who gave a really great TED talk about like presence and it was about Mm. that position, you know, in there's several people have talked about um, how you stand and when you're giving, yes, is that like, did she give the Mm. TED talk about it? Yeah. So how you stand when you're giving a presentation or how you stand in a, when you're in front of your team, you know, it's like that power of energetic presence is something you can do over the phone. Mm. You know, people are thinking, well, you don't see me, but it's like, how are you standing right now? Like, I know that when I get into a place with a client where I want to be really present, I will stand up often in my room, wherever I am, and I will walk around and feel my feet and I will just get really present because they can feel that through the phone. Yes. And then they feel your confidence. Yeah. And I think one of the things we also don't talk about is being relaxed because that's one of the things I encourage my clients to do. Like, it's funny because 
sometimes, you know, I've had a lot of clients say they'll, they'll get to this place where they thought, oh, this person's a really bad fit, but I'll just have the call with them anyway. And then just not offer them my program if they do turn out to be a bad fit. And they're so relaxed because they have this assumption that it's a bad fit anyway. And they're just, <laughs> they just want sales practice. So they're talking to them and all of a sudden they realize, oh my God, it's a great fit. And like, those are the sales calls that they always sell that are the easiest to sell. And it's because they were so relaxed. There was no expectation. They, they were just present with the person. They were just practicing. They didn't have sort of like this fear around, is it the right person? Will they believe me? You know, all of that mind stuff and mind chatter went away because they were like, I'm not attached. This person's probably a bad fit anyway. So there's no worry. And they were so relaxed that they totally made the sale <laughs> because people love that. You know? Yes. They can feel it like, mm. oh, you're just like, you know, because relaxation also um, translates as confidence. Yeah. Somebody is relaxed and they're feeling really good. They have plenty of time and and they're not rushed and they welcome you to keep asking them questions or whatever you need to know. And yeah, and this is how much it costs, right? It's like yeah. that feels really different than, and then, okay, are we ready now to talk about how much it costs? You know, <laughs> all this like, tension in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> and I literally have to tighten up my body to use that voice. Oh, so, yeah, okay. right? So you can just, you know, you can hear that even in, as I'm doing that over the, you know, with the mic right now. It's like you can hear my body gets really tight when I have to talk like that. And when I'm walking or I'm confident and relaxed, then my body feels that way. So yes. that's a point because a lot of people are in their heads and they're thinking yeah. about their script and they're thinking about what everything they're going to say. So just remember to take some deep breaths and really do a five-minute body scan before you get on any sales call and get really um, just grounded in your body. Like feel your your core, your tummy, and your feet. And like feel that. Yeah, power. So important. <laughs> and and then so so let's move in because we talked a lot about sort of the internal, but I do want to kind of work with the, some of the external as well. Like these these things are really important. This is why I deal with both of these things in the business that I you know in working with clients. We do want to tackle a lot of the internal. It's the most powerful, but there are some physical things we need to look at. And so one of the things around money objections that I think is really important is a lot of it is done pre-money objection. Like it is done in how you do the sales call or how you work with it. Because if you're handling some of the right things before you even get to the price, you're going to have less money objections at the price. So I think, you know, that's something we do have to look at. It's a pre, some of it's pre-sales, you're pre-selling through the process. And what that's doing is really, it's really about tying what you're offering and the value of it into what they actually want and need. And this is again, you know, how you're sorting through, like every person I talk to, I'm sorting through, can I help them? Can I not help? Am I the best person to help them right now? Or do I suggest they do something else? I turn people down all the time and tell them to do something else because I'm not the best person to help them. So those are the sort of the questions I'm asking as we go through the sales script, you know, what do you really want? What do you really need? What are you most struggling with right now? And I dig in to some of that pain and I dig into where they're at. And, and through that process, in a way, you're really determining what their values are. What do they care about? What do they actually want in their language? And then if you can help them, if they're a good fit for you, if you really feel like you're the right next step for them, then you can tie what you're offering into the value that they have. So not into what you think your value is, but into what they actually want to need, what their struggles are. And, and I think, you know, probably like a high, high percentage of the time when someone has money objections, it is exactly that they don't see the value. 
They're not tying it into their personal value. It's like, it would be a nice to have. Like, this is what I tell my clients. It's a bad fit if it's a nice to have. You know, if there's one Mm -hmm. of those things where someone's like, yeah, it would be nice to work with you, but it's not something I really need. Well, that's a bad fit. You know, when yeah. someone's at the place where they're like, I, I so need you. I need you right now. Like, I really, really need you. Like, that is a great place because you can really help them and they're very invested and they'll see the value. And that's what you're trying to do is a lot of the sales process. You're just really trying to make sure you, you uncover and understand what they need and want and that your product or service is the best thing to help them. And then you're tying it in to the value. Mm, I love that. And like the point that really rang home was what you said about when you tie it in, it's not just about your value. It's understanding where your value meets their need. Yes. And what that takes is not just good communication of your value. It's good listening. Yes. Listening to those pain points, listening to where they're needing you. And then your mind goes, oh, and that's exactly how I can help. That's why this thing is going to help them with that. And this other thing that I have can help them with that. It's like you're listening and then you're matching their pain point with what you can deliver. And then by the time you put all that out on the table, then they're like, whoa, you're a must have, not just a maybe nice. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, that if you, if you do some of that up front, if you've done, you know, sort of the sales process properly, if you've really tied your value, if you've done your internal stuff, well, you know, if it's a good fit, you're going to have less money objections. If it's a bad fit, then you might still have money objections because, you know, I think what we have to understand is that money objections are the easiest objection for people. You know, even if it isn't that they, that it's, you know, really that they have no money, it's an easy objection because everyone legitimizes it. So, oh, you don't have money? Yeah, we understand. Like we're struggling with money too. Or, you know, it's one of those very legitimate objections. If you were to come and just say, you know what? I don't know what it is, but I just don't, I'm not sure if I feel it. You know, like I'm not sure if I can see the value. Like if you were to be really honest like that, that would be amazing. But everyone's kind of like, that's a bit weird. Like I can just say, I don't have any money and then I can get off the phone call, right? It's, it's one of those really easy, low hanging ways to end a call, to walk away, to get someone to legitimize. Oh yeah, I get it. And so I think, you know, it's rarely a money objection. Like if it is a bad fit, in other words, they don't have money. So I am not one, you know, to push someone who is like, you know, going to be on the streets or homeless or if someone comes into me as an example and they are like, I have to make money in the first month of working with you or I'm going to be on the street. Well, I'm not even going to take them as a client because they're in a place where they need to go get a job or they're in a place where they actually need to find some stability. And so, you know, we're not talking about that. There is legitimate people who are not in a position to utilize your services or products if they're high end because they really just need to stabilize themselves. So I think, you know, we we have to kind of look at that responsibility of that. But, you know, I think a lot of people who are kind of comfortable with money objection, you know, a money objection is usually the sign of something else. Well, and I think, you know, it is true that it's hard for people to let you down. They don't want to to reject you. They don't want mm. you to feel like it's personal. So people will often use money because they think it's a neutral place of like, well, I just can't afford it. Like you you sound great. sounds awesome, but I just can't afford it right now. And I think that's like a, an easier way of letting you down. So yeah. you're right. It's like this response that's been legitimized. Um, but if we were all just a little bit more honest with each other, that would probably go to our benefit. Uh, recently, I did have a conversation uh, where someone wanted to work with me and I was shopping different coaches and I was kind of thinking what I wanted to do. And I was really honest with her that it was 
was an intuitive hit that I was going to talk with everyone and then I was going to go meditate and I was going to sit really with intuition and do a couple of things, you know, read my tea leaves and my pendulum. <laughs> Just joking. But, um, but really meditate on what my body told me to do. And then I went with this other person and I told her it was because like I felt this really strong um, alliance with something very specific that she was yep. doing. And that was why it's going that way. And I think that that is actually really helpful if we just are, get mm. over afraid of hurting each other's feelings as well. Because I think that by telling her it wasn't her and it wasn't in a money excuse, it was there was an alliance and an alignment that I was looking for. And you just sometimes have that with certain people and you've got to follow that intuition. And it's not a personal thing. It's not like they could have done anything differently, really. Yeah. And, you know. And I think, because there's there's two things I want to address before we have to wrap up. But one is, you know, I am not an, an advocate for pushing a sale on the first call. There's a lot of people in my industry who are really about pushing the sale on the first call. Like you, you get them, you, you, you know, you push them to make a decision, yes or no, in that first call, or you dump them. Like that is a very, very rampant perspective in my industry. And that is not, I'm not a proponent. I don't push people for a sale. I actually think a lot of people have been burned. A lot of people, especially women, are more hesitant or they have to align with their partners. Or there's a whole number of things. And so for me, I am not an advocate for pushing on the first call. But I do think there there are times when asking more questions and going in on a money objection is a benefit. And so I want to talk about that because I think people don't know how to do it. So they're like, I feel that this person actually does have money and I feel like they are a perfect fit and I don't know how to handle their money objection. So I think it would be good to talk a little bit about that before we wrap up. What do you think, Laura? Yeah, definitely. So this was in this scenario, they are an ideal fit fit. Yeah. And you assume that they have the money. They're actually I mean, they could have been like in my situation where it's like, okay, I have this much, I'm gonna budget and now I've got to find the right person. Yeah. But then they say, mm, I just think that that's gonna be a little bit too much. So what do you do? Yes. So in those moments, I think it's it's really great to do this. And let me clarify as well, because I think some people, what they do is they respond via email. Because a lot of times, say after a sales call, you send someone a follow-up email, they send you a, a response and say, oh, thanks so much. I think you're amazing, but it's a little bit too expensive for me, is an example. And then oftentimes we want to respond on email and handle the money objection on email because it's more comfortable. I would not recommend that. <laughs> you can try, but... I think emails and texts and messenger, all of that can be easily confused. And because we're dealing with money, which has lots of triggers, I would highly recommend getting on the phone if you can, if you can get them on the phone. So this is, you know, I would start by saying, hey, I totally hear you. You know, this can, you know, it's obviously a big decision. You know, it can we have a, another chat on the phone just so I can clear up any questions you have and, you know, and then we'll we'll sort it out then. And either way is fine. So I think if you can kind of get them back on the phone to have a conversation, that is the best area and way to have to handle a money objection. If that happens on your first sales call, fantastic. You can just go right into handling it. But I think sometimes it happens after a sales call. And so you want to make sure you don't try to handle it on email. You can if you're really good, um, but it just gets tricky and, and misinterprets and people react and it can be interesting. But when I you agree, yeah, yeah right. The phone. 
So when you get them on the phone, then it's really about asking questions. Like you're really, the whole thing is, a, is an attitude of curiosity. And this is how I treat sales in general. Like you, if you're neutral, you're not trying to desperately get a sale as an example. It's really about curiosity. Well, well, what is what is going on for you? You know, is it that you can't see the value for you right now? Like, is it just not, is it bad timing? Is it that you, you know, you've seen some other people when you feel like they're cheaper and you're and you want to go with that? Like, is it, is there something else going on around your budget? You know, how can I support you to to make this decision? Like, I think you can ask a lot more questions to begin to get to the bottom of what is the real objection. Is it actually money? Is it that they don't believe you? Is it that they don't believe in themselves? Because sometimes it's a trust factor. Like they're like, oh, can I, can I spend this much money? And what if I don't get a return? What if I can't do it? It's not even sometimes about the, the coach or the person or the product they're investing in. Sometimes it's just like, what if I can't utilize it? What if I fail? And so you, you really want to get to the bottom of that and, and be able to just sort of handle all of those objections and get to what is the real objection so that you're able to give them as much data as possible to make the right decision for themselves. And that's what it's really about. How can I give them all the information they need so that they can make the best decision possible? Yes. And when you said, you know, what is the real objection? I think that that's what really, what is the root? You know, where, where's that really coming from? Because money is just the thing that was either more comfortable to say yep. it was legitimate. It was going to not hurt your feelings. It was just going to get you off you know, their plate, whatever it was, like, oh, I just don't have the money. But if you really are there and you have something that can help them, then ask some more questions because there may be something they, the more you understand that root cause, then that root cause of the objection, then it yes. gives you a lot more clarity. And even if it's there's the root objection is that it really isn't the right time for them, then you have a a pra- like a practice and, and staying with someone and being curious with them and having mm. that conversation and learning to, you can trust yourself with that conversation yep. um, for the next time. And yeah. I think that that's the skill building that you talk about so much is that there's nothing like being an entrepreneur to give you so many opportunities to develop personally and to push your edge and to get more comfortable because you are talking to people, working with people, building relationships all the time. And the more we can just practice and have that state of curiosity that you mentioned, we then we're learners. And why not learn a little bit more about somebody and a little bit more about why that objection was a money objection? Yeah. And the truth is people really appreciate you being curious about them and and actually willing to help them. And sometimes what you find is that sometimes you handle the objection by having that conversation. And then they're like, you know what? I really do want to work with you. Sometimes you recognize, oh, it's just actually about timing. And so then you're able to say, well, hey, can I check back in with you in the next, you know, in a month or so when you've kind of gotten through what, you know, you're dealing with right now and just see if it's a good time then. And so then you're, you're building a relationship with, with someone you know, through that process. And it's so beautiful. Like it's not about spamming them or pushing them or being aggressive. It's actually about caring for them. And that's what I think we we need to look at is we need to reframe, you know, money and money objections and sales so that we recognize we we can't serve people if we're not charging what we're worth and if we're not getting a sale and if we're not actually going in to help people when they need it. 
Yeah. And building those relationships, like you said, it's part of that mm-hmm. long game. Sometimes it's not a quick sell or a quick yep. call. Sometimes it's a relationship that was just started. And then that person is going to think of you the next time that the time is right. And they're going to remember that yeah. you were there with them and good, good listener and authentically uh, connecting with them. Absolutely. And you do get, you know, it is, is a mix. Like I have people who I have a sales calls with, they know that I'm the right person and they, that's it, they're in. And then I have people who take six months or even a year to come on board. So, you know, there is a, is, it is a process and it's just allowing people their process and their journey, but you doing as much as you can to help them through that journey. Yes. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can dive into more of the conversation in our Facebook group, Women in the Business Arena. You can also access all of our episodes and some great resources at womeninthebusinessarena.com. Our mission is to arm more women with the tools, strategies, and know-how to navigate the business arena with ease so they can create more success, more fulfillment, and more liberation. If you're enjoying the show and want to support our mission, you can write a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. A huge thank you to all of you who commented, reviewed, and shared our show. We are so appreciative of your support. Okay, talk to you next week.